Hey guys, Bobby here. Just a quick announcement before we get started with today's show. As many of you know, on Monday, several of us here at LRB launched a GoFundMe campaign to get Mike and Emily out of a couple of pretty serious jams. Right now, as I record this, it's about 11 p.m. Thursday on the East Coast, and I'm really excited to announce that we're about 79% of the way to our goal. For Stubot, that's about 10% more than the sex number. That said, we still have a few thousand dollars to raise to hit our goal, and we'd really like to get this thing wrapped up soon so Mike and Emily can focus on getting better, and we can all go back to doing what we do best, breaking down minutia from TBTL and chiding Luke and Andrew about it. So if you haven't already done so, head over to littleredbandwagon.com slash Mike and take a look at the write-up there. If you haven't done so yet and you're in a good place to pitch in a few dollarinis, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are the twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show Turn Podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. On Mondays, we bring you a recap of the previous week's TBTL shows, but on Fridays, we bring you a variety of shows, including uh, our good friend, Phyllis Fletcher, who joins us every month to uh, take us back into the archives and bring us a favorite clip or clips from the month in which we are existing, which now is October. Boo, scary. <laughs> So, uh, it's the middle of the afternoon and, uh, I need a little levity and there he is right there. My good friend in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Bobby Pape. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Mike. And as promised down the line in Finney Ridge neighborhood of Seattle, it's Wallingford adjacent. Uh, we have Phyllis Fletcher. Hello, Phyllis. Hey, Mike. <laughs> well, Phyllis, um, of course, every month while I have you, I'm going to drill down on some aspect of your life and make you uncomfortable at some point, <laughs> probably, uh, before you bring us your tip from your clip from TVTL history, which tonight involves parking, which, uh, sa parking is just such a, it's such a innocent word, but it inspires a lot of passion in, in a lot of people. It's, it's a, it's a seemingly innocent word, which, which, uh, a lot of people have, angry stories and humiliating stories about, and we'll tell our own stories before we do a little housekeeping and tell people how to get involved at the end of the show. Uh, but while we have you and feel free to um, jump in anytime here, Bobby, um, Phyllis is, she's in a business that, um, I mean, by some accounts it, it is or was a, a dying business radio, uh, radio news, but I mean, in a lot of ways, it's still thriving and it's finding ways to thrive through reorganization and uh, like redevelopment, oh, sorry, reallocation of, of assets. And uh, Phyllis, I, would you say gen generally your job is that you run and manage a, um, what, what would you say, a consortium of reporters, a news bureau? What What's the official... Yeah. My my little uh, soundbite description of it is that I run a news service to public radio stations in Washington and Oregon. Okay, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, but let me take it back to your background and see how we got there. Because like when I was in college, and I know when my friend Bill was in college, and when Luke was in college, and Andrew, um, we all went to work for the public radio station that was 
at the school we were at, like KUOW was the school. And so I went and, you know, gathered sound and then did a couple of reporting things. And I, I dropped off of it. The other guys stuck with it. Um, but each station back in the day had their own staff, like KUOW covered everything that they wanted to cover. They didn't, Mm -hmm. um, they didn't, uh, farm out anything or they didn't, you know, outside of national, of course, you know, they covered the stories they wanted to cover with the staff that they had. Mm-hmm. And you came up in that type of organization, did you not? You came up volunteering first at KOW and then getting a paid? That's, yep, that's exactly right. I started as a volunteer answering phones in the membership drive. Right. And then at some point, the model changed for them. And then now you were on the side of the model that provides content for them. Do they still have a large news staff and, and still subscribe to your service just to get stories from around the region or how does that work? That's exactly it. Yeah. They, um, they've had a news staff the whole time I've been with them Mm -hmm. and the service that I run, um, it, it uh, it's something that existed in a different form in the late nineties and then it's sunset. And then it was resurrected when I was an intern and um, and it's the idea behind it is to put reporters in places that are important to the region that they're in and to the radio stations that have broadcast coverage uh, in that region, but they just don't have any staff there. And so the idea is to put them in places that are important to multiple radio stations. So Mm -hmm. they all kick in for those reporters salaries and, and for the editor who runs the whole thing. And then all the, all the stations get to use it. Why did it sunset and, and how is it working now? You know, the 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 previous form it existed in it predated me so far like mm-hmm. i have no i the oral history on that is very okay. very spotty um so i really don't know i think it was a very very different service at that time but i don't even know how exactly it worked but i just remember that when they resurrected it they said oh we're to make this easy we're going to just use this, you know, we're going to be this, we're going to, we're going to reform from the 501c3 that existed before. So we have all these documents and structure in place. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't have to like start from scratch basically. So, um, it's a, the, the organization that oversees it is, is still the same that way on paper, but the service it provides is very, very different. It's all like wonky public radio stuff. Well, no, I, I, I yeah. love it. And what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm wondering is, uh, is there a substantial savings because uh, everyone works from the field or from their homes? Or, I mean, is, is that one reason that it's working better now is because you don't need a physical building for you and all your reporters to be in all the time? I mean, that's part of it. The main way the savings come about is that they, um, the board, which is, which is comprised of the general managers of the stations that kick in for this, they decided on a formula for kicking in whereby they pay an amount that is far less than the cost of hiring even one reporter in most cases. So mm-hmm. they get five reporters work for much less than the cost of having a staff of five reporters. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea, I would say the big challenge editorially is to try to have as much of every reporter's stories be relevant to each 
station, no matter where they are. And on one hand, you might think, oh, that in a way that should be easy because NPR does that. You know, they have reporters all over the place and they're reporting on all kinds of things. And, you know, that's what's on their air. And so we are basically trying to do like a mini version of that for the Northwest. Okay. You were breaking up a little bit for me, but um, let me, let me ask a clarifying question uh, just in case I missed something there. Um, What I was wondering is like, let's say I'm, I'm your reporter in uh, Oregon and Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's nothing really breaking today. There's nothing really that interesting today. So I'm not, I'm I'm not actively working on a piece for that day. Do am I always working along some sort of timeline on some investigative piece or some larger feature type thing so that I always have um I'm always working or yep. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. So they all have multiple things going on at once. And then that's evident when, you know, they have some story out that, you know, it's finally out and clearly a ton of work went into it. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, oh, that's what they've been up to, you know. And so the other news directors know what we're up to. Right. Um, And, you know, when we have something ready to go, we we put it out there. But, um, you know, everyone has their own um, balance that they're able to do of like daily stories versus longer term stuff. And, and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, we just work with that. So you don't actually, um, it's not pay, it's not pay to play. Like you don't have to look for salacious stories that, no, okay. <laughs> no, it's very public radio. Everything we do is, uh, is very, very public radio. And I mean, the, the good thing yeah. is that all my reporters are so excellent that they're really experts in their fields. And so whenever a station, like, let's say they, you know, they want to just have someone on in their, um, you know, talking to their host in the morning about what's going on in Olympia or, you know, have someone explain some agricultural thing to them or something like that. They have an export uh, expert they're already paying for who's mm-hmm. a journalist, you know, and right. they don't have to worry about that person's integrity being, you know, having non-journalistic values or anything like that. They can just put them on the air cold and know that it's good to go. So, um, you know, my reporters get used in all kinds of ways. Do they ID as reporters from the station they're talking to or do they ID as reporters from your network? They they ID as reporters for the station they're talking to. Okay. And it's interesting because you'll hear some other, um, you know, collaborations like this have sprung up and the collaboration finds it in their interest to brand them mm-hmm. with the brand name of the collaboration. But we don't yeah, do that. Yeah, that's why I'm asking because I've heard Yeah, that. it's a good question. Okay. Yeah, you hear a lot of those, but ours are not like that. Phyllis, I have a question. Is there any room in this where – Reporters at individual stations have their stories picked up and spread around through your network, like an Associated Press model? Yeah, exactly. So once we post a story, you know, any station can post it on their website and any station can broadcast it. And mm-hmm. on a great day, everybody's using everything that we're doing. Um so, so yeah, all, all those stations can use it. And then, and then as far as it being used by stations outside of our service, like stations that don't subscribe to our service, um, um, there are a couple ways that can happen. For one thing, um, we do let AP pick up our stuff. So sometimes you'll see our stuff end up in a newspaper, uh, with the byline of one of my reporters. Um, and that would have happened through the Associated Press. So that happens sometimes. And then another thing that sometimes happens is, um, 
Well, like you, Bobby, I know you've heard Anna King's work on Here and Now, and um, that's because we have a relationship with that show. And so they, you know, they'll, they get our, um, our daily uh, note that I send about what we're working on is called the Daybook um, and newspaper lingo. It's called a, a budget, I think, but they get our daily Daybook. And when, you know, one of my reporters is working on something they're interested in, they let us know, and then they work with that reporter. Um, you know, sometimes we'll also get a call from NPR's national desk. They'll they'll want a reporter on something that's happening in, you know, Salem or in the Tri-Cities. And, you know, that's who they got there is my people. So we like exciting times like the Bundy Ranch. Yeah, thing. that was something one of my reporters <laughs> was on. Absolutely. Um, that was um, Oregon Pro- Public Broadcasting. They're one of our member stations. They took the lead on that, but they had one of my reporters in there for about a week. And she did some great stories, that, and some of those were aired nationally. And so it's uh, it's really impressive what we're able to do with a small staff of very nimble experts. And we're cheap. <laughs> it's great. Well, let me hook this in to your, uh, your home life then, because, yes. <laughs> you know, I remember when that was going on, you, you know, it was pretty much around the clock vigil on these idiots. Um, <laughs> so, and you work from home. Uh, do you ever, well, first of all, how did you make that transition? I mean, were you one of the reporters and then became the boss or were you the boss of this organization from the start? I was a reporter for one of our member stations when this job became open and I applied for it. And, um, so it Mm. was, I was promoted, but into a very new, um, you know, new for me kind of role. I was in, I was a reporter and then an editor, um, at one of our member stations, KUOW and, Mm. um, the same one that Luke and Andrew and, and, uh, your friend Bill have all worked at, um, so, so, um, so it was a job I knew about for a long time. Um, and, uh, then when it became open, I was like, oh, maybe I could get that. So, so I went for it, uh, that way. And so when I was an editor at KUOW, I was going in every single day because all my reporters were there. Yeah. When I became an editor for this service, the Northwest News Network, I, I still was going in every day, but eventually I felt stupid because <laughs> right. I, I was just talking to my reporters on the phone all right. day. Right. Like it was, it was goofy, you know? And I yeah. was like, why am I spending? And it's seriously like to take the, to walk and take the bus door to door is an hour each way, even though Finney Ridge mm-hmm. is not that far from the U district where KUOW studios are. And, um, and it just, it was not practical. I was able to drive for a while, but I wouldn't be able to do that now because we still just have the one car and Josh has a commute to the suburbs now. So um, it just, it started making less and less sense for Mm -hmm. me to go in. And so I started just not going in more and more because it was much easier for me to start my workday earlier and end it later if I would just stay home. Mm -hmm. And it ended up just being a better deal for everybody. But that also, I mean, we we know from we know from being uh, married to people that, that work at home, or at least I do, <laughs> yeah. uh, it can be tough getting disconnected. And in your job especially, because the news doesn't care about what time it no. happens. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. So, I mean, when I think about that, I try to just always remember that 
to me anyway, in my opinion, I have it way easier than my reporters because Mm -hmm. when they have to hustle, they have to physically hustle and go somewhere and, you know, encounter people who may or may not want to talk to them. They might have to see things that they might not want to see. Um, it just depends what the situation is that they're going into. Um, some of them have gone into really dangerous situations and I equip them the best they can. But so when I'm sitting here, exhausted. I just try to remember, well, you know, I have five people that at any given moment could be like 10 times more tired than I am. So, um, you know, I, ideally, you know, things just kind of clip along, you know, and it's a fairly nine to five ish, sometimes more like eight to six or seven ish job. But, um, but when it is tough, it's when everybody's working on something different and some of the stuff is happening at night because mm-hmm. one advantage they do have over me is they can shift their hours, whereas I have to be available to everybody right. all the time. So mm-hmm. I have to be available during that daytime time. And then if somebody's working a swing shift, I have to be available and not just available, but sharp for them, you know, um, and it's it's hard sometimes. I mean, I feel like I was saying it, but just as I get older, working the double shift, it's not, uh, I'm not all mentally there when I have to do that. So I've realized <laughs> I'm going to need help. Um, next time I, I, I have a planned event where a reporter's on a swing shift, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to work a double. It, it's too much. I just get too tired and my brain just goes, bye bye. <laughs> well, I, I hope we help keep you sharp with all the chats <laughs> yes. we have going on these days. Yes. You know, keeps you awake at least. And for when those stories roll in that you're like, okay, you know, slap a little yeah. water on my face and let's get to editing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do. You clip along in the chat, and then you disappear for a while. Like, oh, that story finally. Yep, that's that's pretty much what happens. Yeah, we uh we sit there and, and chat, and I'll be you know checking in for over a number of periods of hours, and then then I disappear. Well, consider my curiosity satisfied for this month. <laughs> sure, but I'll be back. Okay, you know this. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty relentless. So uh, <laughs> we asked you to pick out a clip and. Um, I know that, uh, Christy and Ann were concerned cause they have, I think they have a Halloween show Ooh. or some such thing coming up. So <laughs> they told us to steer clear of the Halloween stuff, but you still found something pretty damn good. I did. I love this because, um, it, it, uh, it reveals the origins of a piece of TBTL jargon that, um, if you started listening after this, you might not even know how this started. So, I'm, I was really excited when I realized that this had happened in an October and I could bring this to you today. And so this is from the days of Luke living in Port Townsend, um, the, the small maritime village. And, um, he starts, um, he, he's, he has a story. He has one, uh, what do you all say? Um, uh, hot in the chamber, <laughs> yeah. ready to go mm-hmm. for Andrew, because something just happened to him. And um, it, you'll hear them come in with a song playing in the background because they're joking about um, really mellow sounding songs that they like to run to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Jeremy, go ahead and play that clip. So let me lay this out for you. Uh, when I uh, am pulling up to the post office here, outside the post office in Port Townsend, Washington, there are there are a bunch of parking spots that are on the street in front of the post office main entrance. And they are oriented such that uh, you would have – Let's. Um, how do I explain this? 
Let's just say never eat soggy waffles. Do you have to say never eat soggy waffles every time you try to remember what the directions are? North, south, east, and west? No, no, I, I had no idea what you were even talking about. I was trying to, in my mind, I was quickly trying to figure out what direction I'm describing. Here's all I'm trying to say. A lot of times when I pull up, when I, when I pull up, when I pull up to the post office, I'm actually coming from a direction. There's a small side street that I pull up on where there's parking. And a lot of times the, the side of the street that I'm actually on, the side of the street that my car should be on, all the parking's gone. So what I will do is I'll pull across the street and I'll park so that my car is technically in the wrong direction. Does that make any sense? I'll park on the other mm-hmm. side of the street where the traffic that's coming is actually going the opposite mm-hmm. way. Yes. Now, this is a thing that if I was in Seattle or Los Angeles, I might think twice about because those are hectic cities where there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. But in the small maritime village of Port Towns in Washington, it seems like a pretty small deal. First of all, I don't even know really what the legality is. This road that I park on is like very, very seldom used. It's not I, – I just can't – I can't overstate how kind of sleepy everything is around here, right? So today I'm, I was going on KUOW this morning doing my little weekly – thing I do on their show, uh, the Weekend Review Show. And I um, I pull up, so I'm kind of late, as always, and I have to run in here and flip on the ISDN box so that they can dial me so we can go on the radio. You know what? who I had to wait for? Mike Pesca was on the ISDN line with them, and then mm. I had to wait till they disconnected him so that they could bring me on, I thought. Eventually there is What were they just talking to him about? A sport ball. Uh, a sport ball. So he's still doing sport ball. I, I never want to invite him on any shows to talk about sports because I feel like he's so much more than sports. And I don't want to remind him of, you know, his. Old I, I think he's so much less about. than sports. Oh, that's, I mean, that's interesting. how I tend to look at it. So anyway, here's the point. I'm late. I, I, I pull up. And basically what I end up doing is I end up parking in front of the post office mm-hmm. but so that my car is technically speaking in the wrong direction. The other thing I would say about this, and I know I'm belaboring this. I'm, I apologize. But the other thing I would say about this is. Um, these parking spaces are huge, and it's not tightly packed at all. It's not like a regular city where you have just a small amount of room to operate. It's all very open. It's all very low-key. Mm-hmm. So when I pull in and I leave the car technically in the wrong direction, I run in. I do the thing. Uh, Carrie comes by. Uh, we go out to get some lunch, and I walk down, and somebody has left a Post-it note on my car that mm-hmm. says, The other way! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! As in, your car should be parked the other way. But you're not blocking it. I'm not blocking this anyone. Is all just, it's just like it just bothers their sense of order. That's exactly right. Now, technically, if I were to get in the car and pull out into traffic, there could be an issue if a car was coming. Right. Because the cars are coming from the other way. But the other thing that these people don't realize is that I always leave this post office after it's closed. There are no cars around and there is an even less traffic because the post office isn't even open. So like when and I also go, send an angry note when you get in the way when you're pulling out. Right. Because like when I go get in the car, there will be nobody around anywhere. So it's like but they don't understand that. So I mean even that very minute possibility that I might pull out into traffic, again traffic in quotes here in Port Townsend. Um it's a little bit of a stretch. So the person wrote the other way, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I just kind of thought that's pretty funny that somebody was that upset by my car pointing in the wrong direction. That just seems like such a minor thing. And this town seems so much more chill than that. So Carrie and I, we go, we get lunch. We go to a local pumpkin patch because later tonight after we go watch high school football, we're going to do some pumpkin carving and probably watch a scary movie. You know, I've never seen a Friday the 13th movie or a uh, Freddy Krueger movie. 
I believe that. I hadn't seen them until I think I was out of college. I think I told Genevieve that, and so she... I was, like, too afraid to see them when I was a kid, and then I was old enough that I had no interest. But tonight we're going to, like, watch some Halloween-y kind of movies or something. Yeah, just watch it. And so, like, let's see, the the one... Friday the 13th is with whom? Jason. Jason, okay. And who's in the Halloween movies, then? Uh, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. See, I always get those guys confused. You've never seen Jason and Michael Myers in the same room, unless they made a movie. They probably the now room, have Jason yeah. versus Michael, I'm sure. Yeah. But so we we come back from our little getting some lunch down at the Spruce Goose, which is, I highly, I've been telling tens that are coming through town, they say, where should I get lunch? I say, the Spruce Goose. It's a restaurant that's on the airstrip here in town. It's so great. Dudes will just fly in and then have a sandwich and then go get back in their plane and fly off. <laughs> It's totally rad. So anyway, we come back, and the note is still on my car, of course, because I left it there. I thought it was funny, and I I took a picture of it. But now, somebody has modified it. So it says, the other way, exclamation point, exclamation point, like in a Sharpie. And then somebody has come and added, dumbass. (laughs) But they spell dumbass, D-O-M-B. So it says, the other way, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then in a totally different script and with a different pen, it says, dumbass. Well, it sounds like that's just a sloppy U. Well, I'm going to show you a picture of it later. It's not right. a sloppy U. It's an O. Okay. If anybody was the Dombass, it was the person who added. So this is what basically happened today in the small maritime village of Port Townsend. One person saw that this Toyota 4Runner was pointed in the wrong direction and was that mad, again, about just what is basically an academic conversation about the direction cars should be pointed in. There's no real danger created. Again, it may not even be illegal here. I don't know what the official parking rules are. It's it's possible that I wasn't even breaking any kind of law. Is the, it's not a straight-up parallel parking job either, right? It's one of those slant parking spots into the street? No, no, it's a... It, it could technically be a parallel parking job, but here's the thing. The the spaces are so huge. Each space would be like – each each parking space would be like two parking spaces in a normal city. So in other words, I've never had to parallel park along this street because you can just pull in. You can oh, nose you in with your forward, car. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, in fact, you rarely have to parallel park anywhere in Port Townsend because there's just no other cars. It's not – It's. It's just – it's one of the things I love about this place is that it's not like there's this super premium on space all the time and, and everything is just like sardine cans and you're trying to wedge your way in. It's like everything is very, very – there's plenty of room for everybody and particularly this time of year because now the you know tourist season is over and town is more or less empty. It's just like you know 9,000 or so locals. So somebody put this note on my car and then somebody else saw the note – and was, I guess, decided I had not been properly reprimanded. So then they went up to my car and added Dombass, mm-hmm. which is kind of ballsy if you think about it. Because like I could have been coming out of the post office. And if mm-hmm. I, I got to be honest with you. Like, for all of my um, dysregulating my heartbeat with my, my Calm Beat app and all of the ways that I'm not really, like, as nearly as aggressive as I used to be. If I find somebody writing Dombass on a note that's on my car... There's going to be trouble, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though it's pointless, even though like I should just be like, that was something they thought. It's something about them actually coming up and making physical contact with my stuff mm-hmm. that really, to me, would be like, hey, you need to really, really move away from my car right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing if somebody wants to flip the bird to me on the freeway. It's one thing if they want to tisk tisk, But to come up and start like 
being a part of somebody making, like I said, physical contact with my shit over what I think is kind of nothing, I would have been really like not probably very pleased with them. So it's a, it's a pretty brave move. It's like they really, really felt like this needed to be added to this post-it note a lot to, to roll the dice, to run up and start writing something on the note that was already on my car. Cause I could have come out of the post office at any minute. Dombass. What a Dombass. Dombass. Yeah. Now I get a little bit, I know I, I, I was probably once a month, maybe even less than that. So maybe I'm getting better, but you know, yeah, once every couple of months I am, I see somebody parked in some way, you, often in a way that they've taken, you know, parking is at more. Well, I want to talk here. about that with you because you just sent me a picture of, remember yesterday you mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, you you were dealing with a lot and you've been dealing with a lot this week, a lot of stress in your life. And you, mm-hmm. the last thing you needed was a Dombass blocking you in. And you just sent me the picture. And this is not an exaggeration. I mean, this person is wildly out of the lane they're supposed to be in and is oh, yeah. totally blocking, like completely making it impossible to get your car out. Uh, what did you, was this car gone by the time you got back? Yes. Thank God that car was gone. So that, that photo I sent you is a photo that my colleague Jolie had sent me actually posted to Instagram and said, good luck getting home tonight, Walsh, because somebody had like basically just like somehow blocked me in yet parked next to me at the same time. That's how close and at an angle this, this jerk face was. And I saw that right as we started the show yesterday. Hey, by the way, Today's the first show in three shows that I didn't start the show by getting some bad news right during the intro. So, <laughs> yay for me. No, yay for you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so by the time I got done with the podcast and left, that car was gone. I'd forgotten about it during the show because you're so um, captivating, yes. Luke, and, and Thank just you. kind of transporting. Um, and so I, I didn't remember until I was ju- – to get – Here's too much detail as usual. To get to my car, I have to kind of cr- I work on a campus, so I have to cross through a science building. And it wasn't until I was, you know, just for a 50 yards or something, and uh, or less than that. And so right as I'm kind of getting to the doors to leave the science building again, I'm thinking, oh, shit. Right. Like, I my car is going this. to be, yeah. And then I came around the corner, and it wasn't there. But Jolie told me this morning, and this was edifying, too, because I was still so angry. So angry that even though it didn't end up affecting me, just seeing that picture, like, that's an, in, that's an infuriating photo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Very much And she so. said that she was taking photos of it, you know, for the Instagram and to make fun of me. She said that other people were coming out of the science building and like glowering at the car situation and frowning and like right. being like mad on the behalf of me, the little red car. And mm-hmm. she said that somebody else even took a photo of it. So it's that become this better. big thing, parking shaming, right? Online. Mm-hmm. There's lots mm-hmm. and lots of these photos and like, you know, some guy parks like a jerk. So then somebody else like parks really close to him. So he can't open his door and we all laugh mm-hmm. because the guy and you know, those the person who parked next to you at uh, KCRW or at at Santa Monica uh, City College, that was a jerk move. But but it's it sort of feels to me like it's now become this lightning rod for all of us to sort of focus our just generalized anger on mm-hmm. of this like life in modern the modern world can be frustrating. And now we can we all agree that people who park like that are jerks. And so it's like it's really fun to heap scorn on them. Now, I would just say that the way that I was parked and I know you're not making this connection, but like the way that I was parked was not. It, it wasn't had, affecting it anybody. It had nothing to do with anybody. I wasn't within mm-hmm. f- eight feet of anybody else's car or even a car. Oh, here's the great part. When I came out the first time, the car behind me was parked in the exact same direction. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because what happens is people pull into this spot. Again, you want to talk about too much detail. It's this little area of the post office where people pull up and they put their mail in the, you know, the, the mailbox that you can drive up to. And then they come out and they take a left. But sometimes if they're on their phone or something or they're sorting through the mail or, I don't know, doing whatever, they'll pull into one of these spots. So the person behind me was pulled into the spot and, and was also in technically the wrong direction. So it's like it just it, – it, it, it's amazing to me that like the, the two different people were that put off by the direction the car was pointed in. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, I understand in the case of the car that blocked you in. I mean, if you look at the photo, it's, it's, it's unreal. It's almost like somebody's trying to mess with you. <laughs> yes, I mean? exactly. That, that is exactly how I felt. I thought it might have been Warren only because he always parks next to me in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, but I don't know what his car looks like. Yeah. He assured me. I showed him the picture this he morning. He has a Lamborghini Countach. He does. Oh, another car that always parks near us because I think it must be us who get in so early, get these kind of prime spots right by the science building door that you have to walk through. And so the other car, so it's me, Warren, and somebody who drives a, like, it's like a Saturn or something, like a black Saturn with a bad paint job with a license plate Led Zeppelin with Ooh. some characters missing in order to make it fit, of course. Now, I um, want to meet the Led Zeppelin person. That's so great. Bad. That is not a person I would expect to be parking early next to the science building at a college. I know. Um, Weird, right? But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned this car that's blocking you in, how you took... I think it's Kai Rizdal, by the way. Oh, my God. The Led Zeppelin car sure. or the person who blocked yeah. you in? The Led Zeppelin car. Sorry. Silver lining alert. We're about to go over the hills and far away. I get it. It's a Led squeeze my lemon. Wall Street squeezed my lemon, baby, but the juice <laughs> didn't run down my leg. I like the way you know that uh, you were a um, you were an adolescent boy in America. <laughs> if you can only li- if you can only name or quote one Led Zeppelin lyric, it's always going to be the dirtiest one. Right. The lemon song one. Anyway, um, retail hey, uh, one, retail real estate numbers are in, and these houses are anything but holy. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I agree with you. I want to riff with you on this, but I just want to come back to say that that idea of somebody touching your stuff is yeah. where because this to bring it back to this parking spot situation where I park, and that person was parked like a jerk. But it is an issue here. Parking on campus is tough, and it's always an issue. People can't find parking. I have a parking spot every day because I get in so early. But the spaces are really narrow because obviously they're trying to jam as many in as possible. So often, even if somebody isn't parked like a total jerk. It is still hard for me to get into my spot because people all drive SUVs now, and those SUVs are too big, and these parking spots right. are made for cars. And so somebody parks next to me. Like sometimes I haven't had to crawl through the passenger side yet, but often it'll be a really tight squeeze. And again, it's it's just the fault of small spaces and people driving too big cars. And what can you do about that? Um, but um, sometimes somebody, and I don't even think this is necessarily a, a thing of malice. It might be a, a helpful thing or whatever. But, you know, I have those side view mirrors that fold in. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I'll come out and right as I'm turning, I'll note, you know, our, somebody has I'll, pushed I'll, your mirror Somebody in. has pushed it in for oh, me. Oh, hell and no. My knee, really? That's funny because my knee-jerk reaction is always like, you, who touched my car? I'm with you. Like, I always notice that once I'm driving. But then I'm like, well, maybe they did that, honestly, to kind of protect it because they parked close and we're all in this together. Like, I do not think that whoever did that to me did it out of malice or even selfishness. Oh, that's really? what always bugs me. It's like oh, selfishness. See. It's probably somebody who's kind of like, well, I need to, you know, I need to get out here. These mirrors 
first come in, but I always have this knee-jerk reaction of some son of a bitch was out here touching my car when I wasn't here. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't like that because to, that would seem to me like if you have to, and I wouldn't do that to somebody else's car. I would never, yeah, push somebody's mirror in because I'd be like, if that's what I have to do to fit in the space, then maybe this is not the space for me. Amazon reporting profits today, but it turns out they were over the hills and far away. Nice, very good, um, very good. If anybody wants to just call me this weekend, yeah. I can just do this for a couple of hours. Yeah. Do you have a, a list of the songs for you? Because I feel like I would have been a bigger no. Led Zeppelin fan than you. No, I um, I was really obsessed with the record Houses of the Holy. Mm-hmm. I got That's it as a, I got it as a Columbia House CD pick. Mm-hmm. I uh, learned for I in, when I was a senior in high school, we had to do a project in one of the classes where we had to do something for fifty hours. This was like uh, you know pre Malcolm Gladwell, but it was Gladwellian. The the, <laughs> per, the teacher. Just basically said, you have to do something for a lot of time, and then you just have a whole class to present it at the end of the year. Like, you had an entire class period to show whatever it was you'd done. And um, it was pretty interesting. The teacher was named Mr. Livingston. This was at Nathan Hale High School. It was pretty interesting because um, there were some kids who did pretty great stuff, and then there were some kids who clearly tried to pull something out of their ass. And it, this was your whole grade for the quarter, I mean, this was, you didn't have to do any homework the entire quarter. You went in, he talked about like Russian literature or something, and then you would, and then you were just supposed to be working independently on this thing. I remember this one kid. So I decided to learn guitar, and I learned enough guitar. I played the Led Zeppelin song Over the Hills and Far Away. Hey, lady, you got the love I need. I learned it from tablature, which is the most agonizing way to learn a song mm-hmm. because it just tells you zero, one, it's like binary. And if you are supposed to press the string down, there is a, like an indicator, like you press the string down at this point at, on the fretboard, and then you let it up, and then you press this one down, and you let it up. And this is how you learn how to play guitar. So I, I was crappy, but, but it was clear that I had put in more than 50 hours, because I went from having no knowledge of guitar to being able to kind of play a few songs. So I did fine. I was like in the middle of the accomplishment scale. But there was this one kid named Brendan Boyd. Really smart guy, really like good looking dude, very outgoing and apparently like a really good piano player. Mm -hmm. And his thing was, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. But he also, I think, was kind of a a procrastinator, um, owing to the fact that he was a smart kid and he probably was usually able to kind of pull it out at the end. But you can't pull out playing a musical instrument at the end. Mm -mm. And so we had to spend an hour I mean, I think he had like the weekend before the class decided, like, I'm going to try to just get this thing dialed in. So now imagine an entire class hour. This is supposed to be the result of, I said 50, it might have even been 100 hours. I can't remember. It was like a massive time commitment you were supposed to have put into this thing. And now we're watching him just, like, he can't play anything. Like, he can't play a chord. He's try like, it's all it's just super, like, stoppy, starty. Hold on. You know, have you ever been around somebody who's trying to play guitar? They can't play guitar. They just hold on. Mm -hmm. Um, Hold on. And it's like just keeps not being the thing they're trying to make it. And also guitar is pretty hard. Like if you're not pressing the strings down enough, there's no sound. Is he doing the same song that you are? No, no, no. no. He was doing some other stuff. Just some okay, not non Led Zeppelin. Non Zeppelin. No, okay. he was not getting the lead out the way I was. He was keeping the lead in. Yeah, in fact, way okay. in. <laughs> Guys, I have been on that street. <laughs> yeah. Um, Me too. Oh, no, you yeah. Have? You you did go to yeah, see. and we drove right oh. past the post office, and I've seen exactly <gasps> the parking spots that uh, Luke's talking about. 
And oh, that's that funny. Is, if I'm not mistaken, that is an abandoned post office. That is a no longer a post office, right? He has an office. He was probably one of the three people in that whole. Well, there's a there's a post office there, but it's only a small part of the building. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. The, okay. the building's had three or four lives, mm-hmm. and there is a post office now in it. And so people are coming and going to go to the post office, and and that's it. And clearly the bustling high business center that is Port Townsend, Washington has a <laughs> has a brisk parking situation going on at its post office. <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere near the actual downtown where most business is going on. I mean, I I think that um Luke is right and he's wrong mm. in this situation. I think he's right in that nobody should give a fuck. Right. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's also wrong in that he is parked wrong. I mean, it is yeah. wrong. And also, yeah. traffic is light enough that um, doubling down and pulling a U-turn is not going to be a difficult thing to do. Yeah, not not a problem. Mm. It's just going to take you a few seconds if you and, just want to park correctly. Just It's not going to be a hassle for and you. I, and I want to <laughs> pile on to what you said. This is not actually in the business district of Port Townsend. No. There are like two streets that are busy, and this is neither of those streets. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, it's not. That is, it's so weird. Like, what kind of person does that? Like, what is their deal that they have to, like, first of all, the first person is weird for putting the no in the first place. But then the second person is weird for being like, yeah. And furthermore, Dombass. Uh, like, what I is I think it's that? one of those situations where everyone is wrong. Right. <laughs> nobody's technically right. Yeah, everyone nobody's wrong. Nobody really has a great defense for, right. for, for their behavior here. Yeah, right. Although it's this is where this is one of those things where I love the contrast between Luke and Andrew and how they complement each other and understand each other because it's like um you know Luke is very much not the rule follower and so he's like yeah, I park backwards, what's a big deal? And Andrew then has his story of someone, you know, getting way too close and it's clearly wrong. And, and Luke is able to say, okay, I, I know that's very clearly wrong, but I understand the thought process of the person <laughs> who did it, which is so great, you know? And, and whereas I think Andrew can understand, you know, being frustrated by a lack of order or something, he's like, yeah, but you still don't touch someone's car. That person no. is wrong to do that. So they kind of, you know, they support each other in that really kind of cool, complimentary way. <laughs> it's really sweet. <laughs> Andrew flashes that temper of his yes. too. I mean, he I think he really has a bad temper. He keeps mm. it under control most of the time, but you know, they talk about Luke being, you know, quick to fight or, you know, the bad boy of public radio, but I think <laughs> yeah. simmering inside, there's a lot more anger in Andrew than there ever has been in Luke. Andrew is the road rage of public radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the anger that is easy to express when you think no one can hear you, <laughs> kind of, or the anger that you only feel comfortable expressing on your way out the door, <laughs> that kind. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it was, I loved listening to that. And I loved the, you know, hearing the thought processes of each of them when they were listening to the other's story. I'm trying to think, you know, uh, it was troubling for me when I first moved to Massachusetts, uh, well, Rhode Island, but close enough driving in Massachusetts a lot because uh, there are either there are no laws against parking in the wrong direction on side streets or they're just completely unenforced because cars face every which way. Yeah. Yeah. On side streets. And it was severely disorienting for me when I first moved here as if the drivers (laughs) weren't bad enough when the cars are moving 
in Boston. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's how I always picture like New England as well. Cause I think just seeing it from movies, you, they, they, they shoot down side streets and you go like, who the, what are you doing? What is, who, who's parking? What? This angle, that angle, up against a tree, double parked, triple parked. Right. Uh, Sam's my... Sam's parents live on a, a small corner lot in a tight, dense Boston neighborhood, and um, their sidewalk on one side is is paved, and it's basically a smooth curb up from the road. Like just, it's a little higher, but it's easy enough to pull up onto it. And mm. so when people park there, you just pull your car up, and you know, three quarters of your car is up on this curb. And your left tires, if you do it from approach, uh, are the only things left on the road. And it's just because practically it's the only way it keeps the road wide enough for, for maybe two cars to both be able mm -hmm. to pass at the same time. Oh. And so it's the weirdest looking thing, but people just do it. You just do whatever <laughs> yeah. you can do to make it work. And then half the time, all the roads are one car lane wide anyway. And that's even without snow. Once it snows, right. all shit's off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, You're you lucky have to if you can the... go down your street at all, probably. <laughs> yeah, and ch and chairs in parking spots is not like a Hollywood thing. Like you actually see chairs in parking spots everywhere around here. Wow, mm -hmm. have you done that? No, because we live in the suburbs, and so we oh. get a spot. We've never lived in a situation where we absolutely had to street park since we moved out here, oh. um, which was a high priority for us. Even we took our first apartment in Providence sight unseen. But mm. it having off-street parking was like a big deal that we had to have because we have two cars. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, and we just weren't going to be able to deal with that. Um, but you yeah. don't disrespect that. Like I drive through no. several neighborhoods of Boston on my way to work. And some of them are right near some of the colleges. So it's all college kids and old people who refuse to move. Mm -hmm. And you don't mess with somebody's parking spot. Yeah, you got to really know the culture, like regardless of right or wrong, you know, you just know the culture of the place that you're in. If you want to keep peace with your neighbors and just, you know, follow their lead when it comes to something like parking. I mean, give me a break. I, I was um, I usually don't think about which side of the street I'm parking on, um, you know, right or left, if I'm facing the right way or wrong way or whatever. But I have to say, last night, I picked out this clip for you guys. I said, okay, I picked my thing. I got to go over to my friend's house. And I drove over to my friend's house. And the easiest spot to pull into would have been facing the wrong way. And I was all pulled into it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just not hip to what the deal is in the neighborhood. So let me turn around. Mm -hmm. So I did turn around and I parked correctly. But I don't know that I would have really been thinking about it if I hadn't just listened to this clip. <laughs> yeah, I don't so. know if it's like one of those things that really gets enforced on a regular basis unless it, there's right. signage. But like um, to me, at least aesthetically, it bothers me. Really? When, when someone's the wrong way. <laughs> it, it what? I'm sorry. It bothers me. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, no. It really does. It oh, really does. Dear. I would never write a note on anyone's car because I'm not going to no. touch anyone's car because I'm not a maniac. Right. Yeah, seriously. But, I yeah. completely agree with the mirrors thing, by the way. Uh, yeah. Don't touch my car. No. If I'm somewhere tight, I will put my mirrors in. Right. After I park. Yeah. Uh, especially on uh, – because a, a lot of bikers get doored. Mm -hmm. yeah. in boston and cambridge yeah. and yeah. so you really try to keep the bike lanes open that's another thing with parking in the wrong direction to me it just adds a whole nother layer of complicated with pedestrians and bikers and and i mean cyclists not yeah asshole motorcyclists uh, <laughs> right? 
cyclists everywhere. And so you have to yeah. be extra cautious of your surroundings and trying to back out of a spot. You're going to be facing the wrong way or having to pull and pull a quick U-turn out. It yeah. gets messy quick. Yeah. You well, could cause Bobby, you were talking yeah. about um, the, the neighborhoods in, in Boston. Um, like that stuff just would never go down in Seattle because I mean, the cops and everyone, they take that shit seriously. People will call and report if you're like, if you're nosed into a fire lane or whatever there, you know, if you're, if your tires are up on a curb, your car is gone. It's ticketed, booted and gone, which is <laughs> yeah. why the, um, the story, because I was born and bred in that type of situation. And, and I like, I, it bothers me when people aren't aesthetically parked right. Um, <laughs> that's why the story that happened in our big chat uh, bothered me so much the other day. No kidding. Uh-huh. And um, who wants who wants to tell that story? Bobby, well, I'll, you... I'll I'll get into it. You can fill in the details if I okay. missed anything. Okay. Uh, and Phyllis, I know you were outraged by this. Yeah, too, she was all over. Posted it. a picture on Facebook, but I sure uh, did. Jeremy would do this himself, except. We know how you feel about him being on the show. Yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that Except asshole who put a lot of effort and time into putting a fundraiser together this week. Anyway, um, yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> uh, so Jeremy drops Ellie off for the school bus at another school for reasons that I sort of understand, just with the geography of where she goes and the parenting and all that works with, with their family. Um, he has to drop her off to a place where she gets on her bus for school. And it happens to be in the parking lot of another school. And he pulled into this parking lot and pulled into a parking spot and got Ellie out of the car and then got back to his car to find that someone had double parked him. And we're not talking about like a parallel spot on a street, like a classic double park. We're talking about someone who's literally trapping like, two or three cars in parking lot spots. Yeah, they, they are not in a space or parallel to a space. They are behind some cars. Right. They just, it's as if they were waiting in traffic at the parking lot and said, ah, fuck it. And just walked away from their car mm-hmm. with no room to maneuver to get out. Um, uh, and in fact, it looked like they may have even managed to screw three people when they could have possibly only screwed two. That's, like, yeah. that's when you, my blood really boils is, is when, oh, I can't even know. So this car's there, and I assume, you know, Jeremy probably thinks at first, oh, it's probably just a parent running his or her child sure. into the school or a backpack or forgotten something. You expect to see that person running back to their – as soon as you turn around, you expect to see them running back going, sorry. Yeah, I want to – I want right. to – I want to see them running and then hear their apology like lightning and thunder coming right. back at me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and and nothing. And he waited in his car for like 20 minutes or something before sounding any kind of alarms. Uh, and still this person's gone. And then he goes into the uh, principal's office or whatever, the office at the school, uh, to say, hey, can you can you page this person? Can you Do you know what's up? Is this person around here somewhere? And they told him they couldn't do anything to help him. <laughs> they could not. They refused to page this person. And so he just goes back to his car and he keeps waiting. Of course, he sends us a picture. We're getting live updates of all of this. <laughs> But we're pushing like 40 minutes at this point. Yeah. And everyone's saying, well, why don't you call the cops? And he's like, well, he's on the non-emergency line with the cops. And the cops say, talk to the school. And the school says they can't do anything. Right. I I think it was an hour before this person came out. (laughs) 
and, and then the real insult. This person comes out. Jeremy's fuming. And this person laughs it off and was like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. I talked to the principal and pieces out. <laughs> Probably thinks Jeremy's a jerk for confronting them. And Jeremy and, is not a guy who likes to confront. No. And, He's Jeremy, never even confronted me about how much I hate him. So <laughs> he, does, and, he doesn't want to confront some stranger in a parking lot. We had people in our chat ready with pitchforks and, right. and torches. We were ready to kill We would him. have been ready uh, to go over there and, you know, granted enough of us that we probably could have just lifted this person's car and moved Right. Them, you just we, bounce it and bounce it and just get, get suspension going and it'll be out of the way in no time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I think my favorite idea was um, one of my friends said, lean on the horn until the situation mm-hmm. changes. And I thought that was such a great idea. <laughs> everyone just gets so upset about you yeah, being on your horn. Everyone gets punished things. until yeah, this is resolved. You could probably rally an army of troops pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, and it's funny because horns are one of those things where it's actually quieter in your own car than it is for mm-hmm. everybody else, even though it's coming from your car. Yeah. So yeah. you just lean on that sucker until people are like – what are you yeah, Emily's doing? really taught me the the um <laughs> the art of leaning on the horn because I used to just be like beep beep hey yeah. excuse me could you beep 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 but yeah. she's like no let's embarrass this motherfucker <laughs> until until they resolve the situation. One just of the lean. one of the problems with the Toyota Yaris uh, is that the horn is about in scale with the rest of the car. Yeah. So oh, yeah, dear. Like, <laughs> we'll just laugh. <laughs> you really you have to lean on it just to get anything done. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a violin. <laughs> yeah, it might be worth I I think when they sell cars, they should say picture yourself two years from now, you're in this car, you know, it's not it you're getting your good gas mileage. You know, you don't have a lot of room in here, but you know, you've been you saved a little money. Let's go big on the horn though, because you're really gonna want this. <laughs> I know you're gonna want this down the road at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not skimp on the horn. No, <laughs> I'm sure. What's that, what's that one they use at the Buffalo Sabers game? Let's get the yacht horn. Oh, uh, the Kallenberg <laughs> yacht horn, absolutely. Mount that to the top of your car. You'll just look like trouble. It was, people will get out of your way so fast. I'm just. Uh, I went to littleredbandwagon.com/slash/amazon, and I'm looking at aftermarket car horn options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, or you could just keep a yacht horn in your glove box. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But you might get in trouble for that. I don't think. I don't mm. think the cops can arrest you for leaning on your actual horn. But if <laughs> if you just open your window and start <laughs> blasting a yacht horn out your window, I think now you're in a ticketable situation. At least. Uh, yeah, these things are cheap. We might need to get something for Jeremy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I did. This occurred to me while it was happening, which is the the other problem here is as much as it would have been great for Jeremy to make a scene in the school. It is such a a sensitive time in our country Mm. that a grown man, especially one probably in a hoodie with giant earrings, Uh (laughs) can't go yelling and screaming at a school. No, that's Mm -hmm. true. In fact, yeah, that was one of the outcomes of this was that um, someone told Jeremy to watch his language, (laughs) (laughs) which is so sad. But it's like, well, if people are scared, I guess I can see that. If they see that someone's getting angry and they're scared, I can see someone trying to de-escalate. But a better de-escalation would have been to at least pretend to use the PA to try to get the other person. Feeling bad. 
about Right, I know he did feel bad after when that. this thing is over, it's like, no, Jeremy, please don't feel bad. I know. <laughs> hey, guy. I just thought of something. Jeremy should have called the cops and just said, There's a really suspicious car in front of this elementary school and it didn't <laughs> even take time to park. Right. Yeah. I bet that would have gotten there just, in a flash. This guy just That's true. Parked there parked everyone in and ran into the school. I don't know oh, I didn't okay. see what he was carrying though. Uh, and oh, as much as I like the idea of deflating this guy's tires, which is something we did discuss at length, right? I only assume that may have delayed his moving the fuck yeah. out of the way. That's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you want some sort of a time delay on the tires. You want to yeah, yeah. set a little yeah. thing for them to deflate tonight when he's at home sleeping. Oh, God. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, this all goes back to the parking rage, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like there is something about uh, a Parking and being, um, you know, being able to immediately leave when you think you should be able to leave. That's like yeah. part of our culture, you know? I mean, to us, it's just like a given. It seems completely reasonable, but it's, it's like, it, you know, I think that we got there through cultural means, you know? And so that by the time the other person comes back to their car, it's almost like a fight is fixing. Happen, right. When Americans you know? are done, we're done. We're ready to right. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like and then Bean's when you know party. He's done. <laughs> yes. I'm done. All done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's why, you know, these like parking rage um, you know, like you park like an idiot.com or whatever those things mm, are right. are so popular, you know, because people look at those and they they instantly automatically have feelings, you and know. It's and that's why I think when too. I posted it on Facebook, I had so many comments cuz people are like, "What? That's crazy." Ah! Yeah, people and love stories when of car justice. Kids. That's why they like the the Russian videos, the car <laughs> crash videos, because so, so very often it's like someone trying to pull some kind of a crazy lane change and getting crushed right. against a <laughs> against a barrier, and you're like, everyone's like, justice, yes, right, yeah, <laughs> that's a little disturbing. Uh, yeah. Just thinking about loud noises. I hadn't planned on talking about this, and I think I may have mentioned it before, but when I was in high school, one of the pranks that we like to play on one another in in my friend group uh, is that someone had picked up a backup alarm, an aftermarket backup alarm that you put in someone's trunk or undercarriage and you wired into their their backup lights. And so when they go into reverse, it sounds like a truck is backing up. (laughs) Oh, no. And the funniest part is the first time someone drives their car after you do this and don't tell them because it scares the living fuck Yeah, out they think they're going to yeah. get killed. That is terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, that thing got installed in so many cars over the course of about a year and a half. Did they ever get you? No. Uh, I lucked out. I don't know why no. I lucked out. Maybe I was just smart enough not to leave my keys laying around. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, outside of uh, some good Kai Rizdal, which is, I love from Luke. Oh, that was yeah. great. Uh, yeah. Anything else in the in the clip before? Oh, we- just I love the the um the Led Zeppelin guy. I have heard so many like high school guy attempts Led Zeppelin humiliation stories. I don't know what it is. I mean, people have to understand those songs are great. Because they're difficult. Mm. They're difficult to sing and they've, they've got to be difficult to perform on guitar. And I don't care how high your voice goes in the shower. If you're singing in front of other people, yeah. those songs are actually challenging, Here, especially if you haven't practiced. Here's what happens. And this 
Phyllis. Is, <laughs> okay, you can explain this. Yes, I can I have explain a good this phenomenon. I, I never actually yeah. happened to me, but I, okay. I it happened to friends of mine. Yeah, you get really into a band, you get really into an album, and okay. you sing along with it. You think you can like play air guitar or regular guitar along with it, and yeah. you're just so into it. And often. I'm not saying all the kids that do this are high, but often you're high and your <laughs> okay. confidence is soaring and you yeah. think you can do it. And then you, uh -huh. you go into the cold light of day in that classroom and yeah. you try to pull something off and you're nowhere close. You <laughs> right. are nowhere close. And it is so embarrassing for everyone involved. But this, this guy was a total straight arrow, right? I mean, right. He... And no, I, it can happen to straight arrows too. It can happen to, <laughs> yeah. To, to an autistic kid. It can happen to a oh. kid who thinks he's, who's the coolest kid in the school. Right. It can happen huh. to anybody. If you th you're really into something, you mm -hmm. think you can do it and you fucking can't. You just can't. <laughs> so bad. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like part of what made this story so funny and, you know, tragicomic is that, um, it seemed like this guy was one of those top of the world type of guys. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was so memorable for Luke because he had actually worked on his Led Zeppelin song and was ap right. actually able to do it. And this guy was, oh, wait, hold on. Wait. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like this guy was, you know. Oh, yeah. You can picture it too because you've seen that guy. So like, bad. no, I get, I got it. I just give me one more. Uh, okay. Uh, and you just know he's never going to get it. Because <laughs> oh, he's not, he's not at home in front of the mirror. He's not locked in his bedroom. He's never going to get it. Oh, well, my friend went to a prep school in D.C., a all-boys prep school, and um, and they had a talent show thing, and this, this one group of kids got together to play uh, Zeppelin, and um, <clears throat> I can't remember which song this is, but it's the one that where, where the um, guitar part goes, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
entranced by and I hate vanity license plates. Yeah, you do oh, take really? a lot of pictures of those. I take a lot of pictures of those oh. because <laughs> because it just always amuses me that someone it's like a tattoo for your car. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the amount of pain you have to go through to get a tattoo removed is about the same as going to the DMV to change out <laughs> or eliminate a vanity yeah. plate. And people are just so so attached. I don't know. Right. I find them ridiculous. Yeah, if I go back through my photo archive, I'm sure I have hundreds. Because I take a picture every time I can <laughs> if I see a dumb. Once in a while, one will shoot the moon. There's a there's a 10 who has TBTL 10 in Washington, and that's awesome. That's a good one. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. That is Somebody fantastic. recently caught that and put it on the Stens page. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, usually they're just the dumbest things. Or too many letters have been taken out, so you know it's a vanity play, but you can't tell what they're trying mm-hmm. to say. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. What is this guy I a sleeve never... stack? What is that supposed to be? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would never get one just because I don't want to draw undue attention. That too. Know? I think you're putting a bullseye on your car for yeah. vandals. Yeah. You just. You yep, just never so. know. Although you know, TBTL. That's a pretty cool one. Like that, I would love to have. But yeah. you know, then it's then it's funny though because Josh and I share a car, and he's definitely an eleven. You know, so then it's like. You know, this is my car. Like, I'd be kind of marking the car. That's true. I don't know. I'd feel silly about doing that. Yeah, so you get one that's basically some form of princess, and then Josh is out driving. (laughs) (laughs) Silly. I'm still not sure how I feel about, even when I had like the 10 sticker on my car, I was like, what am I trying to say here? Like, people are pulling up saying, I wonder what she's going to, whoa. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Nowhere near a 10. Yeah, I would I would hesitate to do that. I like to put my stickers on other things in my house. Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just yeah, no, nothing weird. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> objects that I own. You have a little kid. They put stickers on everything. <laughs> they put stickers on everything. Yeah, no, like it's put, fine. Put them on um, folders. Mike, and I know stuff, you were eager yeah. to tell some uh, yeah, yeah. Some of our own embarrassing uh Parking stories. Yeah. yeah. I, I really only have one super embarrassing one. I don't know <laughs> if I've ever even told it. And I, I honestly don't know how many people even saw it. Thank God. Uh, it was my own doing. It was, um, I was, it was right. I started my senior year in high school and I was transferring from, from the public high school Interlake to the private high school Eastside Catholic. And I was about probably a week late, maybe transferring because they started in August and then the public schools didn't start until September. So uh, I decided to go to Eastside and it, it had already been going for a week. So um, it was my first or second day there. I can't remember, but uh, I drove my car down there because because the high school was pretty far away from where I live, probably eight to 10 miles from where I live. So um because I was late starting, I missed picture day where they come out and take your senior photos or whatever. So I had to go, I was scheduled on this, on this day to go off campus, go to the picture studio, get my picture taken. So my picture would be in the, the yearbook, the annual. So I got out to my car and it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. Lunch is just starting first lunch. It's like 10 30, 11 and I'm blocked in. Uh, cause it's real. I mean, this was used to be a junior high and now it's a high school. So the parking lot's not that big. 
and I'm blocked in and I think I see a way out, but it's a, it's a slope. So, uh, I think, I think I can make it over this slope and I've got, I have like an old sports car, like a 280 Datsun 280Z sports car. So there's like really long nose, really long body, kind of small sports car. And I, it's rear wheel drive. And I start to go up this slope and um, all of a sudden, like my rear wheels are kind of spinning and my, my front end is in the air. Um, oh my God. So I'm, I'm, uh, what, what do you, what do you call it? Um, high centered, I guess. And mm-hmm. I put the car in park. I get out. I look around and I I don't remember if there was really anybody because I didn't know anybody anyway. So I, like I'm looking around and I, I see just maybe two or three people, but I'm like, God damn it. And I'm, and I'm thinking I got to get out of this situation. I get back in the car. I like, you know, what are your ideas at that point? Reverse, <laughs> gun it, go for it. Teeter totter. Right. So I just start, I, I, I put it in reverse. And I start rocking. And it goes back and like my front end hits the, the cement part of the, of the slope, just bam, as I come back down into place oh. and to scrape, I just scrape down that little embankment. It was probably like three or four feet and back into my parking space and then just turn off the car, grab my stuff, <laughs> went back inside. And that's why my picture's not in the annual. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no portrait of old clip clop. I'm sorry, of uh, no picture of clop in the Eastside Catholic uh, annual from 1983. Oh. Didn't make it. No. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, I have a couple of stories that aren't as good as that. Um, one's embarrassing, and one was a, a bit of uh, childishness. Uh, both of these are from my early college days. Um, neither of them are specifically about parking, but one of them was just the dumbest thing I think I've ever done in a car, which is I was working for the Buffalo Philharmonic at the time, and I was at an all-staff meeting or something at our concert hall. And so we all park in this big parking lot. Uh, meeting lets out, or I had to leave early or something. I remember I was the only person in the parking lot for some reason, but a lot of my colleagues' cars were still there, too. And uh, I... Uh, the, the space in front of me was open, so I was just going to pull straight through, and I've got the car started. And this is my old uh, – this must have been my Pontiac Sunbird stick, and I sort of hit the gas a little too hard and flew straight backwards into one of my colleagues' cars. Oh! I thought the car was in gear, not reverse. And uh, thank God no one was behind me, but it was an empty parking lot. But I smashed and destroyed the front bumper of this little Nissan Sentra or something. And had it been any other parking lot, I maybe could have driven away. Not that I would have, but I maybe could have. Or I could have left a note or I I could have just been – like I could have justified this somehow and made it better. But this was our sales director's car. Ew. 
And he's a nice guy, but he's an old Italian guy who gets tempered, you know, would would get mad easily. And and I had to uh, tuck my tail between my legs and go inside and find Mm. him somewhere and be like, hey, Mike, uh, just a heads up. uh, I accidentally smashed the shit out of your front bumper. Oh, (laughs) no. Uh, and, uh-huh. and actually, he was super cool about it. I think uh-huh. he ended up telling his insurance that he didn't know how it happened and they just paid for it because wow. I never ended up paying for it. He was awesome. Oh, But um, I felt like the biggest jackass on earth because I had to walk in and basically everyone knew about it immediately. Uh-huh. And and how do you explain to someone like, oh, I meant to go forward and I went backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, mine might be a little worse, but that's – yeah, that's not great. At least I only hurt my own car. Right, exactly. I, I, yeah, I was sober and it was the middle of the afternoon and I just fucked up. I don't know. You know, I must have just slipped something somehow. Oh. Um, and apparently, you know, decided I was going to pull out fast enough that, that that would happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you're really going to zip out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As fast uh. as those four cylinders would take me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. uh, my other parking story, when you told me I should think about parking stories, is simply that I stole a parking meter when I was a freshman in college. <laughs> oh, nice. How much money? Uh, I still don't know. We never found out. Uh, oh. So I was working at Spa Coffee in downtown Buffalo, <laughs> corner of Delaware yeah. and Chippewa, which is a busy, popular intersection. Uh, and I would often park on the street just off the corner late at night. And at the end of the night, we'd be taking out all the garbage. And we had those big rolling garbage totes, and we had like six of them. And they would go right where this one parking spot and meter was. And for the longest time, we would bash the garbage cans into it as hard as we could. And it was bent and beat up and terrible. And they finally replaced it with a brand new parking meter. And so I'm taking the garbage out one night, and I hit this brand new parking meter and notice it's really loose. Oh, <laughs> it's really loose. They they had just dropped the new parking meter like in the old hole. They didn't oh. pour any more cement. They in didn't there, cement though. it in or anything. And nice. So it's it's sitting on like a steel sleeve, like a larger pipe had been put in the ground. But it's sitting there and it's just ready to be pulled out. And so it's like this for a couple of weeks. And finally, one night, my car is parked right in front of the meter. And after we closed at the end of the night, I went out there and I just lifted it up. P.S. <laughs> parking meters are exceptionally heavier Heavy. than you think they're going to be. Right. I bet. <laughs> and I heaved the thing in the back of the trunk of that same shitty old Pontiac. Uh, oh. And I got the hell out of there. <laughs> in hindsight, there must be so many surveillance cameras on that corner. Right. Uh, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I got it home. And we looked at it. It's like a pretty new parking meter, and it is full yeah. of quarters. And we went through an entire set of metal drill bits trying to get into this thing. Trying to get it. <laughs> through the lock on one side. Yeah. And I we think, could- yeah, that's why they're so heavy, and that's why they're so secure, is because they don't want they don't want it to be a decent payoff for anybody to be stealing right. these things. Uh, so we it still exists, I assume. It lived in the garage of one of the houses I lived in for a couple of years. And then I think I just left it there when I left because the novelty had well worn off. Mm-hmm. And right. so somewhere in a garage in North Buffalo, if you want upwards of $15 in quarters. <laughs> or if you me. want to get really strong at swinging a baseball bat, you know, you use this as your practice bat. And then when you go up to bat with your regular like 36-ounce bat, 
It'll feel like nothing. It'll feel like a toothpick in your hand. Yeah. So if anyone wants the, yeah, the house number for a garage where you can go get an old parking meter that I bet is still there. Jesus. Let me know. It was a conquest. I always meant to like mount it in a bucket with cement and put wheels on it. We could roll mm-hmm. it around and it was right. going to be the hit of every party. Sure. And then that never <laughs> happened. And it wasn't even like a cool vintage one or anything. It took quarters and had a slot for a plastic card that we don't understand what it was for. Probably for no. the meter maids. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. To access it somehow and... Yeah, I don't even know how many quarter like they empty them every couple of days. There's probably not that much money in it. I don't think so. No. <laughs> but I'm an idiot. Twice over. Those are my stories. <laughs> and you became obsessed. You had to have it. <laughs> yeah, well it's just, you know, you you dream of something for so long and think it's impossible and then one day it suddenly becomes possible. Right. And, you know, yeah. before possible. you know it, you're putting on a Colorado Rockies cap and driving across town. <laughs> just stealing because you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I just have – my two stories are just really about um, the conflicts that arise when someone watches you park. It's just – uh, so, and I try to never do that because I think that it's really easy to just idly kind of observe someone parking, but it can just make them more nervous mm. um, and things can get weird. And so um, my first one is that uh, one time I was in a rental and I just wasn't as hip to driving it as I was my own car and um, and it was bigger than my own car. And, um, I pulled into just a regular street spot, no metering or anything, um, just like a residential spot. And there was a guy watching me and, um, I pulled into the spot. I almost got it on the first try. Not quite. I had to like readjust and, um, repark and all this stuff. And I got out and this guy, he was standing there feeding birds. And he was like, see, the thing is when you first pulled up, I thought you totally knew how to park. And I was like, oh, there's a lady who can really park really well. Good for her. But then, and then he just gave me a detailed breakdown of my parking, like my parking ability as he perceived it in that moment. And I found myself actually explaining to him, yeah, this isn't my car. So, and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) I don't know this guy's shit. Yeah. So I just went, okay, buddy. And just walked away. But I did initially start explaining to him, but he just went on and on. It was like a street prank almost or something. It was ridiculous. I was like, wow. And it's just like, I wonder if this ever happens to Josh. This is insane. Probably not. That's good advice. Don't watch people park. Yeah, unless, why unless would the you? nose of their car is straight up in the air, then right. and that, that's kind of worthy of watching, I would think. Yeah. It, the yeah, new guy at school who's with his, his, his nose of his car up in the air, I would watch <laughs> right. that. But outside of that, just let people park. Yeah, just let them park and it's whatever, you know, like. And it wasn't even his issue wasn't even that he thought I was going to hit his car or something because no. he didn't have a car there. It was just silly. So that was weird. And then the other one was um, I was going to my friend's house and she lives in Shoreline, a suburb just north of Seattle, and they don't have sidewalks. And so I'm always a little confused when I go up there, like, where can I park? Um, and because uh, when there's sidewalks, it's really clear that the street is, you know, public right away and you just park wherever. And there... It's just not as clear without the sidewalk. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, um, you know, and everything in front of my friend's house was full. So I parked 
you know, right in front of someone who had parked on her property and the owner of her, you know, her neighbor, the owner of her neighbor's house came running out and screaming at me, you can't park there. You're not parking on my property. No way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. And so I end up like blocking people into my friend's driveway just temporarily to like at least go into her house and say like, where should I park? And she was like, Oh, sorry. Um, and she was like, you just stay where you are. And then when, when people need to get out, we'll move and, well, you know, we'll move you know, in, blah, Phyllis, blah, blah. But I never got the answer to that. Where can you park? No, that's a great, that's a great point because a lot of, especially North Seattle, mm-hmm. um, neighborhoods, Greenwood, Shoreline. Yeah. A lot of these neighborhoods do not have sidewalks. Right. And I think these owners are actually in the wrong. But I wondered they, that they feel that they are in the right because right. you are parking as if there were a sidewalk. They don't own that property. You're on the street. Right. But you're in front of their house and there's no sidewalk. So they feel very territorial about it. And it does feel weird. Like whenever we would go to friends' houses, when I lived in, uh, I lived in Crown Hill, which did have sidewalks, but, but our friends that lived around us and the neighborhoods around us did not. And yeah. we'd go over to their house. And if there was more than like two or three people coming over, then it got weird with the neighbors because they were like, oh, well, you guys are blocking me. We're not blocking you in. Nobody's blocking anyone's driveway. We're blocking your view, maybe. Right, right. You just don't like it. But Yeah, that's it. They just didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I didn't know. And I didn't know what the history was with this neighbor and anything Mm -hmm. like that. And it seemed like it it wasn't good. So my friend was like, yeah, just keep your ass over here. So I did. But I was like, well, how do I, you know, like at some point before my next trip to Shoreline, I need to figure this out once and for all. But fortunately, she has moved and it doesn't seem to be an issue anymore in her current neighborhood of Shoreline. Mm-hmm. But I, it just got me wondering. And, you know, I was like, I, I think they're wrong, but I don't really know. And I still have never looked it up. So well, maybe true. there's when, some when Shoreline you, or suburb tens listening to this who can hook us up. <laughs> when you go to those those suburbs north in Seattle, north of Seattle and you see their neighborhood get-togethers. Yeah, all the cars are kind of stacked up on that driveway, where if yeah. you go to a neighborhood that has sidewalks, cars are all over the place. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just, I feel like, you know, it is part of that thing I was talking about earlier of like, okay, be aware of the culture, the parking culture, and whatever mm-hmm. whatever the laws are, just go along with whatever the culture of the place is. Because people be mad about yeah, the Yeah, they'll be tripping, and I didn't want to come out and have them, you know, deflating my tires or, you know, whatever crazy stuff. That's, hey, I think I... I think that was a good Mike has ideas. Uh, time time release <laughs> tire deflators. Right. For There's people that block that, you in. Sure. You, you don't want him to keep blocking you in, but you definitely, eight hours later, you want those tires to start going on them. Right. <laughs> uh, the, the neighborhoods of Boston and the People's Republic of Cambridge and the other communities immediately around <laughs> Boston yeah. uh, have this pretty well figured out because all the street parking is almost all residential only. Yeah. And if you um, want to throw a party, you have to uh, get special passes to give to people when they arrive to put on their dashes. Mm-hmm. You have oh, to have right. a resident permit if you want to park on the street. And we're talking about a lot of places that don't have driveways. Mm. And so you will get ticketed and towed. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the fancier neighborhoods in Seattle have zone. Uh, you have to have a zone sticker to yes. park on the street yeah. there. Yeah. That's right. Even, yeah, parts of Wallingford have that and Capitol mm-hmm. Hill. They have that for if you want to be there at night for like more than two hours yeah. or something. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, you got to keep 
trying to get out of bed and go move your car every two hours. Yeah. And, uh, if, you're, uh, yeah. if your friend is, uh, if your friend is cool and they're having you over, they have passes ready for you right. because you buy yeah. one cool. for the year and then you have it every time people come over. And if your friends are cheap bastards, they don't have a pass for you. <laughs> right. And you have to just find better friends. <laughs> good, good idea. Yeah. Uh, I've been bombarding our Slack channel with pictures of shitty vanity <laughs> license plates, by the way. Yes. I've been uh, seeing those coming up. So these are just the ones that I'm finding from a quick skim of my photos on my laptop. So uh-huh. Huffer. Huffer. That sends from, a bad message. Well, I was in Texas. I had TX-SAS Texas. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. That could be good or bad. Yeah. Uh, and then my personal enemy, this guy I actually see fairly regularly on my drives up and down to Boston. If I go around rush hour, which I try to avoid to do, but it's a Kia Optima Massachusetts plate and it's JSTLVN. He's just living. Yeah. Oh. And, and and his license plate frame is a golf club and ball where the club is bent around the outside of the license plate. Oh god. With the club head <laughs> and then the ball just above it. He's just living yeah. or just leaving. That's I, I took it as may, just may, is it that's a good question. Maybe if you put hmm. a fucking vowel in there. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe um, he has so bread in there. I hate uh. this person. I don't know who this person is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um but I hate this person. And then, uh, and then, yes, I a Range Rover with HVYMTL, which seems appropriate for Led Zeppelin conversation. 111 <laughs> yeah. pounds. Yeah, that one's weird. Yeah, right? Yeah, like that's a commitment. That's harder than just weighing in every day and acknowledging <laughs> what the change right. is. And that's a big Mercedes turbo diesel. That's a lot of car for somebody, 111 pounds. Yeah, really. Um, I have no fear of repercussions, so I will post all of these to the Facebook page after we put this episode out. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, I like the Washington one that you got. Yeah, it's just number five. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is the same in other states, but in Rhode Island, uh, low digit plates, anything under three digits and under are highly sought after. Mm-hmm. Oh, They're like funny. passed from generation to generation and people are proud to have them. So I was just surprised when I saw wow. a uh, number five. Yeah. Also, somehow funny. they put a bunch of spaces in. So it's all the way to the right instead of center. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. weird how it's not center. <laughs> huh. <laughs> this stuff fascinates me. I- I'm going to publish a coffee table book of crappy iPhone photos. <laughs> Of people's vanity license plates someday. Are you going to call it that? <laughs> Crappy, Crappy iPhone, iPhone photos. photos. Of, yeah, probably. It'll be published posthumously by your wife after you crash trying to take a crappy <laughs> iPhone photo of your final conquest. <laughs> oh, here we go. I, I just, I'm finding these in real time, so I apologize for the delay, but I just found a Rhode Island license plate P1. Oh. oh. So we can super serve cool. that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Camera slow down. We let's let's find out what they need. <laughs> uh, and it's a Lincoln. So for what's that's oh. worth? Anyway, wow. I know <laughs> they still had money left for a vanity plate. Right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> are we moving on to housekeeping? Yeah, let's sweep this up. All right. Uh, uh, an update from uh, the land of Christy Wise and the archive. We are nearly complete. Uh, with the catching up on years and years 
and years of archiving old episodes of TBTL, but we still need your help. If you haven't signed up yet and you're thinking to yourself, I would love to go back and listen to some old TBTLs like the one you just heard, but not exactly that one because Anne actually archived that one. Mm. Um, shoot us an email, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Put uh, archiving or archivist in the title of the email. Uh, I believe they call that the subject line in 2016. And uh, Christy will take note and get you on board. We'd love to have you. It is not hard. Anyone except Klopp here uh, has managed to do it. I shouldn't say that, actually. (laughs) I I have not. But that's because my notes will go toward the current archive when that time comes. Hmm. Um, Reach out. We'd love to have you. Uh, And also, um, a thank you. Uh, This is going to be extremely dated by the time this episode airs. We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's coming out on Friday. Uh, But as many of you know from listening to our latest recap, all of us, except Mike, launched a GoFundMe campaign to help out Mike and Emily. (laughs) And the outpouring of generosity from tens and beyond has been extremely heartwarming. And um, honestly, I think we've all been a little stunned watching this thing grow uh, over the last day. And as I say this, we're 60% of the way to our goal. uh, And and I don't think it's slowing down yet. And um, I have been... Over over the last few days, since since um, everyone didn't end around on me and got this thing going, um, <laughs> I've been pretty overwhelmed by it. Um, I've I've been doing a lot of physical therapy, and I'm I'm sort of physically tired from that, but more so from all the the crying that mm. I've been doing because of all of you guys. And 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 like Bobby was saying, it isn't even people that we know. It isn't. I mean, it isn't all even tens. I mean, people have been sharing this post and and people have been, um, you know, Phyllis's friends, Bobby's friends, people that don't know me or Emily have been contributing and it just, it means a lot to me. Thank you so much. We have wooden boats picked out, Emily and I, so <laughs> we're all set. Yeah. A couple I was- of crafts. Since I have the privilege of hogging the mic, I want to. I do want to give a special shout out and thanks to my friends, um, who you know don't don't necessarily listen to TBTL, um, haven't heard of Mike and Emily before, um, don't even know that he's an awesome bank robber, and they still <laughs> said, you know what, <laughs> that sounds really tough. I want to help him out. So. Actually, that might be in part because they don't know he was an awesome bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? This guy they can't get enough free much. money. He just can't get enough <laughs> right. of the free money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, but they, uh, I even had someone as far away f- as um, Italy give. So that was yeah. really special. And thank nice. you. Uh, I know that they'll never hear this, but also thanks to Luke and Andrew for for mentioning this on Monday's episode of mm-hmm. TPTL. Uh, and I think they made a great point, which is that if you feel weird about being so nice to Mike, because usually we like to not be nice to Mike, um, you are welcome to also shit on him when you make your gift. <laughs> so yeah. you, can, you can do that on the page at GoFundMe or you can email us littleredbandwagon at gmail.com with your Mike insults and we'll make sure he gets them. And if you've been um, giving anonymously or choose to give anonymously, we can still make sure that Mike and Emily see those comments. So mm-hmm. – um, Make me cry both ways. <laughs> if you want to say something so bad that the public should not consume it, make your gift anonymous and we'll still make sure that Mike sees it. Yeah, they will. Believe me, they'll make sure I get it. <laughs> yeah, he'll see those first. All right. Um, so how to get involved in other ways besides uh, funding my lifestyle. Uh, LittleRedBandwagon.com. Uh, go there, fill out the form, and then you can be a featured 10. We'll play your favorite clip and talk to you about your experience with the show. 
Uh, you can go to the Stens page if uh, you want to have some arguments, or you can come to our page for a nice experience. Show Twitter at LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Phyllis, as always, a delight. Thank you for carving out the time. Well, thank you. And um, it was really a pleasure to uh, participate in littleredbandwagon.com slash Mike, in case we didn't say that before. <laughs> yes. Good plug. Little Red I'm Band like Wagon. Hillary Clinton. I'm crowbarring in the URL. <laughs> slash Mike. I never yeah. thought I would say that. Please yeah. don't slash me. <laughs> um, Bobby, thanks for joining us this afternoon. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And as you say that, I just found an old Pontiac with the license plate Led Zepp. So now I think I know what the show picture is going to be. Yes. Finally got it. All from the Bobby Pape iPhone archives. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Well, uh, Bobby, you want to wrap it up for us? Yeah, absolutely. Until next time, this is the next party. Uh, Thank you, Jen. Uh, Thank you, um, Jason. I love you guys. Something good is coming to my life I don't know what it is